second week of the Heroes to Remember series. And I started out this series, this plan, with thinking we're going to look to the heroes of the Bible, specifically heroes of our faith and stories that we can use to encourage us and to challenge us for how is our faith doing? How are we serving our God in times of struggle, in times of goodness as well? Well, today we're looking at this a little bit differently. We're starting out by recognizing the heroes of our everyday life, those who have died and served for us. But we're doing this also to recognize and to remember those who are graduating from high school and college. As today is two days. It's Memorial Day Sunday, but it's also Graduate Sunday, and we're going to be recognizing those who are graduating today. So I've got some challenges for you if you're in here, or if there's no graduates in here today, then I give you this challenge, congregation. Take the words of wisdom that we have from God's word today and challenge somebody else in your life who you know is taking that next step in their life into a new job or into a, a new season of life. Colossians 1.10 says this, So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. If you could please stand with me, I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and I'll read it to you today. Um, Alicia, you can just go back to my slide. That's for later. I didn't put this one up there. We're starting out today reading about seasons. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we read this. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up, what is planted? A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow, tear and sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain is the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put in eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. You may be seated. Thank you. Seasons. There is a time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die. Maybe as you were hearing these words, you wanted to sing. Did you want to sing? Thank you. So as I was singing these, as I was reading these words, I found myself wanting to sing. And maybe that's a bad thing to admit, but there was a song, I believe it was back in the 1960s, maybe 70s, I think it was 60s, it was the bur by the birds. And it was a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. There is a season for everything, and this, the lyrics to the song, I read them, were almost identical to the actual scripture we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So it is somewhat fun to sing, as it brings power and passion to it. I'm not going to sing it, 
But I do just want to recognize that there was a song to this. And if you were singing it, I understand why. But I picked this verse because I thought Memorial Day weekend, heroes to remember. And whether it be heroes of the Bible or heroes of our life, we're at this time of remembering those who have served. We're at this time to remember that there is a time to be born, a time to die, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. I also picked this because, again, we're recognizing the graduates today, and I'm wanting to talk to them about different seasons of their life and remembering that life with God, with God, is not a meaningless life. Realizing that you're going to go through different seasons of your life and how you continue to serve God and be with God throughout your life is what's going to make the difference. But I think there is much more to this. What we're also reminded of from this book is that there is a time for everything, but nothing on this earth should control you in your primary goals. Everything is good in its time, but everything in this earth should not be what's consuming all of your time. What should be consuming all of your time is God. Let's flip back to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and Alicia, if you want to bring that up for me. I'm going to do a lot of reading today in Ecclesiastes. I'm going to let God's word speak for itself quite a bit. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and if you want to follow on and along, and specifically teens, please follow along because there is great wisdom in this book. Starting at verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, King Solomon. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. All is meaningless. All is worthless. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already, and the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who have come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied to my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, 
And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Sorrow. I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly. Till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest, forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possession of herds and flocks, more than more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom, and madness, and folly, For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For the wise heart, for the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all were been long forgotten. How the wise dies, just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after the wind. Thank you. So, if you can go back to the just background slide for me, that would be great. Ecclesiastes is a rather large book with a lot in it, and I can't cover it all today, but I did want to read that so you have a little bit of background of what we're reading into when we're talking about Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything, there is a season and time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. It's very hard for me to just go straight to chapter 3 without you having the context of seeing everything that was before it. You see, in Ecclesiastes, we see a man. And this man is the King Solomon, the son of King David. And King Solomon was a rich man, an extremely rich man. In fact, he was so rich that it said that he would actually toss away, throw away silver. Silver was worthless to him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think silver is pretty valuable today. But he had so much gold that he would build houses filled with gold, palaces filled with gold. 
He would have thrones made of gold. He had so much gold because even kings and queens all over the world would come to visit him and would bring ships full of more gold to him just to hear of his knowledge. Here we have one of the smartest, most wise men to ever walk the earth. And yet, how does he start this book? Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Now, vanity is kind of a word we don't really use today, right? Not many of you walk up and walk around and say, Man, this day is just filled with vanities. If you did that, you'd think you just walked into your bathroom and were looking at the vanity closets, or you're in Menards looking at the vanities. Um, but no, vanities, what we're talking about is meaningless, pointless, purposeless, worthless. And as we have King Solomon here stating these words for us, he's recapturing his life for us. He's telling you all that he's done, and in all his wisdom, in all his wealth, in all of his possessions, and everything he has, he's coming back to God now and realizing it's all worthless. It's all meaningless. It's a meaningless life because a life with God is not a meaningless life. But as long as you're searching in your life with wealth, with knowledge, with possessions, with anything else, it's a meaningless life. It's vanity. It's worthless. So much that I, I love this statement that he keeps going, going back to. I perceived that this also is but a striving after the wind. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after wind. All is worthless. It is so worthless that it's like striving after the wind. Have you ever tried running after the wind? Probably not. Maybe as a kid you thought, I'm going to run with the wind. But you can't catch the wind. And that's what life is like if you're living without God. It's worthless. It's pointless. And you're left with this, this meaningless life of just feeling like there's something missing because we need God. Here we have a man that has all the wealth, all the possessions that you could ever dream of. Everything that you and I seem to dream of. We all dream of being rich at times. We all dream of having that big house at times, that brand new car at times. We all think that we need something to bring attention to our life. We think maybe if we had all the wisdom in the world. I asked last week on Facebook, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? And some people answered with being able to fly or supervision, laser eyes. But other people answered with wisdom. And I wish that a lot myself, too. I wish I had more wisdom. I wish I just knew everything. But here we have one of the smartest men that ever walked the earth. And yet he still says, all is meaningless. All is vanity. Life with God is not a meaningless life. And that's what we need. That's what we need to remember. Without God, everything is meaningless. God should control your time. God should consume you like a fire. As we read this, we remember, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under life, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. It's a great reminder to us that there's many different seasons in life. But I truly believe that we also have it starting at the beginning and going to the end and showing us these great extremes to show us that in everything, God is in control. From the beginning when you're born to the time you die. From when you plant to when you pluck up what is planted. 
in everything God is in control and, in, and involved in. We can't allow these times, these seasons to control our life. And teens especially hear me, and I'm sure many of the adults would also say this is true. You can't allow your season to control your life, but you need to allow God to control your life. I'm going to start to wrap this up. I wanted it to be shorter today with graduation Sunday, and I want to be more to the point. But I want to start to wrap up with this thought, with this quote. Again, another quote that I heard this week at the Moody Bible Institute with the conference. But it's, not, it's, an, it's a biblical quote. It may be one man that just reminded us of it, but it's this. You represent the presence of God. You represent the presence of God. Now, this will be in the newsletter for you to pick up for the summer once they're sitting out there. But there's a little story behind it that I want to share with you. See, there's a man named Sky Jasani that came up and shared with us. And he shared the story of when he was in, in seminary, going to become a pastor. He would often have to make hospital visits as he was a hospital chaplain to volunteer during seminary. Well... Here's the problem. If any of you have ever gone in to visit somebody that you don't know very well, or even family or friends that are going through something, you go to visit with them, and you just don't know what to say. Maybe you get really nervous, you get scared, and you just don't know what to say. I know I've been there. Well, here's a man who was a hospital chaplain during seminary, and he would do this. He would go into rooms, and he'd have no idea what to say. Until one day, a college professor of his came to him and said, This is what you do. As you're about to walk into a room, you place your hand on the door frame. Just have something of physical remembrance to say. When you walk up to a room, place your hand on the door frame and silently pray. And remembering the, remember the following statement. In this room, you represent the presence of God. In this room... You represent the presence of God. Now, that's a very powerful statement, a convicting statement. And in some ways, it excites you, it comforts you. And some, in some ways, it kind of scares you. As you think to yourself and you apply it to your life, in this room, you represent the presence of God. But not just this room. Every room you go in, you are representing the presence of God. And as you think about that, think about your life. Are you representing the presence of God well? People either see God in you or they don't. And they need to see God in you. So I would love to expand on this a lot more, but I don't want to take the time to do so. I want to leave you with that quote for you to think through. Do you represent the presence of God in every room you walk into? Are you allowing God to control your life? Now many of us think that if we only had something to bring attention to, to God in my life. If we only had something to bring better attention to the church, and we think maybe if we had a better way to marriage, a better way to raising kids, a quick way to make money, we think we need more money, wisdom, power, possessions. We think if only we were like King Solomon that had everything, people would listen to us. But you see, even King Solomon had everything. He said, it's all vanity, it's all worthless, it's all meaningless. That's not what we need. Until we enter rooms with the power in the presence of God, the culture around us is never going to change. Here is the challenge to us and the challenge I'm giving you to pass on. Do you represent the presence of God in every room you go into?
Do you represent the presence of God? It's not about having more money. It's not about having more wisdom. It's not about wishing people would look at you in this season of your life and not that season. Now's not a good time to look at my life because I'm, go I'm going through something hard and I'm not serving God as I should. I'm not glorifying him. It's not about that. It's about everywhere you go, recognizing that you represent the presence of God in your life. God is in your life, and that brings power to that room. God is inside of you, and as you walk in that room, you can have comfort from that. Because your words do not have to be your own. The Spirit will empower you and will speak through you. Pray with that person, talk with that person, and allow them to just see the presence of God within you. People are watching. Are they seeing God in you? Praise God for the opportunity that we have to represent him. In Colossians 3.17, we read, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Glorify him in all that you do. Graduates, as you look to the future, a new season, a new time in your life, congregation members, all of us, we need to remember the words of King Solomon. All is vanity. Vanity, vanity. There is a time for everything, but in everything God shall be. God is in control of everything from the beginning of time until the end of time. We have the extremes listed in Ecclesiastes from birth until death, weeping and mourning and dancing. We have all these extremes to remind us that God is in control of it all. But we need to stop pushing our own boundaries and living without him. And we need to live within his boundaries that he sets. God is in control and has been since the beginning of creation. God has called us to where we are at this time. And we need to accept it. And we need to represent, represent him well. May he be the one that controls your life. May he be the one that controls your seasons. There was another quote that I heard, and again, a biblical quote. And it said, Because God is in control, the best thing we can do is to live joyfully within the boundaries established by Him. And then lastly, other religions have this view that we are created to serve the gods. And we want to focus on that a lot, too. We want to think that, well, we were created to serve God. But here's the thing, I want to push that boundary, and I want to say we weren't created to serve God, not primarily. And before you start throwing tomatoes at me, let me say this. If we were created to serve God, that would mean that God needs us. God doesn't need us, God wants us. We were created to represent the presence of God, to represent him and to glorify him as we do so. And again, in Colossians 3.17 we read, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now don't take my words to be wrong. We do serve him. And we do, we do want to serve him. Naturally, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you recognize that he died for you, John 15.13, Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus Christ did this for us. And as we have this perfect example, perfect love, we should want to do the same. Now, as you think about that, and we praise God for opportunity to represent him, 
We live for him, we die for him so that others might have life. How are we dying to ourselves? How are we living for ourselves? How are we representing God, the presence of God that we have? How are we representing ourselves? We're very selfish people, you know that? I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself as well. We think so much about how we're representing ourselves. It, it comes down to even how we dress, how we do our hair, how we put on cologne. It goes to how we do everything. But how are we representing God? Will you die to yourself, your selfish desires to allow his will to prevail and life to be seen to all those around you? I'm going to close in prayer, but then I'm going to invite the graduates up. I'm hoping they're here. Um, aha, I see them in the back. Great. And we're going to hear about what they're going to be doing with their life. And I do challenge you with this message. Represent the presence of God in your life and all you do. Remember, whatever season you're in, God is still in control. Wherever you're at in life, it's where God wants you to be, and he is still in control. But you need to submit to him. Submit to his will and represent him. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this reminder that we have from King Solomon, from Ecclesiastes, a man that had it all, all wisdom that you blessed him with. So much wisdom that kings and queens from all over the earth would come to him and pay him ships filled with gold just to hear of his wisdom. He had everything that we think that we need, and yet... He says, after it all, it was all vanity. It was like chasing after the wind. It was worthless. It was meaningless. But a life filled with you is not meaningless, and that's what our lives need to be filled with. Lord, may we remember whatever season we're in for our lives to be filled with you and living within your boundaries and representing your presence in our life well. In your holy and powerful name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, if the graduates would come up here. Alana and